Okay. <sighs> Thank you, Blake. Thanks for tuning into the Big Honker Podcast. Blake is uh, inviting you with his sigh. Uh, uh, this show's brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. Guys, what do we say about dive bombs? They're the best. Great. They're the best. Yep. Pack it. Shit's wet down here in Texas and Oklahoma. We got to pack our stuff in. Two, bu- two, two bags of dive bombs over each shoulder. We're walking out. That's all you need. Easy money. Every time you can get 50 dozen out into the field, lickety split. No problemo. They go on the ground good? Yep, frozen hard ground. ground, frozen ground, soft ground. We got into a fight last year about who was going to run the dive bomb because the fields were so hard. Yep, every day. So if you're looking for the best silhouette on the market, go to divebombindustries.com today. Get you what you're needing. You know what I love? How many people still doubt it? Oh, yeah. Still doubt dive bomb. Yep. It's science, folks. Losers. Yep. This show is also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. Game changers. Shooting bismuth now. And I can tell after we're, we're so many weeks into the season, I can tell guys that are shooting boss versus guys that are still on the yep. steel train. And uh, when we sail one out in the field, you know what I tell them every time? Look Should've, them dead in the eyes. Should have been shooting boss. That's right. Yep. That's yep. right. And you won't even need a dog if you get boss because they'll fall right in the kill hole. Right into the kill hole. BossShotShells.com. This podcast is also brought to you by 737. Zach, tell me about them. Whoa. If you want to buy the best call on the market, there you go. Duck calls, goose calls, you name it. That that nitro that you run. Whew. Telling you what, uh, been getting a lot of accolades on that one on how good that baby sounds Everybody's on social. Everybody's like, yeah, Zach's such a great caller. Wait well, till you hear me call. It, fuck. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. But yeah. yeah, go to 737. It doesn't sound near as good because he's not blowing that maple <laughs> nitro. Go to 737duckcalls.com right now. And, yeah, get you a goose or a duck call. The old number one. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. Athlon optics. Athlon optics. Can we say that? You can say whatever you want. Like a sore dick. You can't beat it, people. It's just it's just the intros here. <laughs> Athlon optics. Scouting. You need optics. You need to be able to see what you're where you're yeah. going to hunt the next day. Oh, these are great. Make, For the price, you can't beat them. Can't beat them. Great scopes. Good glass. Put them on. Yeah, good glass. Put Thanks them on your. Uh, Thanks for chiming in, Blake. Put them. <laughs> put them on your rifle. You'll never miss. You'll never miss that deer out there with, with Athlon Optics, as long as it's sighted improperly. So, go to Athlon. Get you your uh, optics that you need. Lucky Duck also sponsors this podcast. We love our spinners. Love them. Remote controls. Turn them on and off when the geese are coming. Yep. Can't beat them. They're so easy to sink, too. Lucky Duck fell in the water. What happened, Blake? It just drained the water right out. Boom. Kicked it on. Pop. Today, fifty mile an hour winds. We ran four of them. No problems. No nope. problem. No problem. So yeah, lucky go, ducks. Go get it. Go get lucky you a duck. lucky duck. Also, get, get you a waterproof one. Something that uh, doesn't get credited. They're floaters. Yes, they that's good. true. They those, those floaters are nice. That decep that deception series. Oh yeah, those are nice. Collapsible. Yep. They look really oh. good. Color color scheme on them. Perfect. Yep. A little bit of pop whenever the sun shines. Like the dark hens. Awesome. Do it. This show is also brought to you by William and Chris Wines. You can get them at all those hoity-toity supermarkets, H-E-B, Whole Foods, Central Market. Um, you know, if you see a lot of yoga pants at the place and they and the girls can wear them, you're probably going to find William and Chris there. Listen, guys, if you want to go get laid, get you some Sway Rosé, and that'll do it. And just uh, be careful. Tread lightly with the Sway Rosé. Sway Rosé, the panties drop. Panties drop, but you do get... So do you. Schwab or not. So plan that one accordingly. Also, Garrison Brothers. Texas bourbon. Whoo. Now, if you're a woman and you want to impress your man, go to the liquor store, get you some Garrison Brothers 
Texas bourbon made in high Texas, just a stone's throw away from William and Chris. These cold You're, nights. It's, it's these cold nights. What ails you? You got a little. You got a little sore throat. Put a little bit of bourbon and honey. Not, nothing a little whiskey can't fix. That's right. <laughs> also, this show's brought to you by Sea Light LEDs. It's what we're running on our trailers. You can you can set them up on your trailer where you can see the decoy spread and the blind. That way you can see what you're doing. Oh, it's the best. No more fumbling around in the dark. Right, we, Blake. Correct. We roll up in there, hit that switch. Perfect. Lights up everything. <laughs> Run it's like one the sun on. Sun came up. One That's on right. the back of the trailer, one on the side, like Andy said. You can uh, do all your blind business. You can set your spread all at the same time. You can even put two on the side if you want to. Yep, if you wanted to. If you wanted to get real crazy. Sky's the limit. Put them on your truck, wherever, on your boat. If you uh, if you do that night bow fishing thing, we don't get to do it here. But uh, you can. I hear it's fun. Yeah. So, sea light LEDs, best on the market. And finally, Blake's about to burp. Finally, <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by the original sponsor, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Boom. Look no further than your next guided hunt. Look us up. We can take care of you. We'll sit we'll sick Blake on you. You need to ask for Blake. Ask for Blake. Don't ask for Zach. Or ask for Team Tommy Boy. Team yeah. Tommy Boy will show you a good time. You get both of you us. Need, you need Richard and Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> one is not We'll good. let you guess which one yeah. is who. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they work great as a team. So uh, look us up, stanfieldhunting.com. Uh, we've got a couple more openings in January. Uh, December is pretty well over, so it, it's pretty booked up. But, yeah, if you're looking for a late-season January hunt, hop on over, stanfieldhunting.com. It's looking like the late season is going to be good. Yep, yeah. let's get them, boys. Hook a, uh, call Jeff, 940-658-3172. We can get you on the calendar for this year or for next year or for the year after that. Fuck, we don't care. We don't care. Welcome to Big Honker Podcast, live from the Big Honker Lodge. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver. We got the uh, the mastermind. The boss man. The boss man. The man himself, Brandon Sarecki. How are you, sir? We're hanging in. How you fellas doing? I'm doing great since I'm not a Green Bay Packer diehard fan. He was, he's been waiting for that. He had that one in the holster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You knew that. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers needs to go. I'm telling you, you can't spend that much money on one he's, player. He's the next. He's the next one. I think it's, it's safe to say if they can't get something going, but, he's next. But what? Oh, I don't like that. Who he's, are we going to root for then? Who's going to save us? Whoever your next quarterback is. For another team, another team. You're talking. Andy no, is a fair weather no, fucker. Isn't no, he, Brandon? I'm saying I can't get behind Deshaun Kaiser. He's not the guy. He's not oh. the answer. Yeah, he's probably. I bet you our next great quarterback is somewhere in middle school or high school right now. <laughs> no one knows who he is. Pop Warner. Y'all need to trade for Derek. Mm-hmm. Y'all need to trade for right. Derek Carr. That's what you need to do. Trade, trade yeah. Gruden. Trade Aaron Rodgers out to Gruden. Yeah. Trade for Derek Carr and built and and put all that money in an offensive line and you'll be great. You're fucking high. I'm telling you, it's what it, it's what you need. The line. There's nothing wrong with the offensive line. 
Well, they're not. They haven't really protected him that much. Well, and was he? He don't need that much time anyway. He doesn't need time. <laughs> do, he, no one. He he he's got one of the quickest releases in the league, or at least he used to last year. Do, do you think right? one of the problems is is he's such a asshole that nobody wants to play with him really much? I didn't think about that until after McCarthy got fired because I didn't want to believe that, but I think there might be something there. What pisses me off is is when you're down uh, when you're down two scores or something, and then he just he doesn't act like he gives a shit. That's what wears me out. I don't see that. I don't. I don't. He just he'll he'll just kind of and I know I mean he's playing it close to the vest and I understand that, but he'll just kind of shrug and jog off to the sideline. I'm like, God damn it. That's what they show on camera, but no one you don't know what happens after they take the thing off. That's true. No, that that's true. But um, were you pro or against getting rid of McCarthy? I was for it. I was for it. Yeah, I was too. Yeah. I, I mean, you you, you got to be. I mean, there comes a certain point when you make changes, you know, throughout the team. You get you get rid of the defensive coordinator. I think that was just a stopgap. I think McCarthy knew that win or win or lose, he was done that season. I think they just right. wanted to prove a point after that that last loss. And I think Rogers on notice now too. I think uh, he better better figure it out. He's probably got ten games between now and the time he's going to be on the hot seat if he ain't already. So so you're with me. You're you're pulling for the Bears now, huh? No, <laughs> I can't. I can't like the Bears. You, you all live. You, you guys don't live near Chicago. No, nah, but we live by the, the fucking thing, Cowboys. The only thing good about Chicago is Comiskey Park. That's it. Well. It's like Dallas Cowboys. If Dallas was playing ISIS, I'd be pulling for ISIS. I can't stand the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> Same shit. So, yeah. It, but like, I guess if I had to have a backup team, if I had to have a backup team that I'd like, I really, really like Mike Tomlin, and I like the whole vibe that the Steelers have going. I, I like them. He's another coach that might be out if they don't make the playoffs this year. Well, he should go to Green Bay. We'll take you. Sign make him a up. trade. McCarthy can move back home to Pittsburgh, where he came from. There you go. And it may, you never know; they might be able to trade houses or something. Yeah. Do you, you think? Do yeah. you, you think y'all are going to end up with a college coach for a head coach? I hope. I don't. I don't know. The only college coach I think I'd ever want would be Saban, but you know who that went when he was in the NFL. Uh, he yeah. he's not going to do that. I don't think. I I'm hearing young college coach like the kid at uh, OU, Lincoln Riley's a big name that's being thrown around for a lot of head jobs. Young, yeah. full of energy. But you know the Rams did that shit and it's not working out so well for them right now. <laughs> I I don't know. They what are they? They only lost what three games? Three games. But they've yeah. lost two in a row now and they're not who looking cares? near Oh, two in a row. No one wants to talk about what they did the first start. Yeah, I know it's coming in in the stretch, but Hey, they make the playoffs. That's all you got to worry about. No one gives a shit about record, and you never know. They may not be playing as hard as they need to because they already got everything cinched down. No one's going to knock them out. Why? Why run at a hundred percent? Expose maybe some of the the packages and plans that you got for a game. Save that for the postseason. Kind of cruise on in. Yeah, I think I they were. The, I think they were the first to clinch in the NFC too. The the Rams yeah. were. They've lost the home field advantage now. I don't know. I'm not a Ram fan because it's L.A. and I don't like anything L.A. is. It's anti-american as far as i'm concerned but you know nothing yeah. against their personnel or their players I just, yeah. the guy well, that owns them keep in mind that none, none of those players i guess not not none of them but most of them 
if not all of them aren't there because they want to be there. That's that's where their job is. That's right. Yeah, I wouldn't want right. to live in L.A. That guy that owns the Rams is the same asshole that owns the uh, is a Walmart heir, married to the Walmart heir, and he bought a big ranch up here and he dicked a bunch of people around and kicked. He's just an asshole. And so, so speak, speaking of L.A. and how that that place sucks, which I agree. About five years ago, I did find one cool thing in Los Angeles. What's that? I was into rifles when I got my FFL. I was buying McMillans and some really high-end, high-end long-distance guns. And one of them was made by a company called Tactical Operations. It took me two years to get this gun. And the dude who was manufacturing them had his shop based in Beverly Hills. I'm like, what the hell is this all about? So he was in Beverly Hills and ran a precision gun gunsmith shop where he start off with a Remington 700 action and go through this whole thing. And two years later, I get my gun and it's from 110 yards. It's one hole with five shots that went through it. Unreal. Jesus. But he was even, you know, because they've been anti-gun forever. But I'm like, how in the hell can you have a business in Beverly Hills? Yeah. He said, you wouldn't believe it. But a lot of his business, he goes, now the reason it takes me two years to build a gun is 90% of his business was law enforcement SWAT teams. And he said, whenever one of those rifles is discharged, regardless, you know, like in, in a, like a crime scene or whatever, mm-hmm. regardless of if anyone dies or not, that gun has to go back to him. And he's got to do a full teardown analysis of, yes, this gun was saved. This is this, this is this. So that's why it took so long. He goes, if I get stuck in one of those cases, that sets me back a month. But anyway, there's your thing. There's a gun manufacturer in Los Angeles. So he would have to tear this gun down and see to see that that's if, what he if told, the gun that's was what working properly? Me. It didn't make much sense to me. I didn't really quiz him too much on it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's I guess that's part of the deal, that if someone gets shot with a rifle, or I guess any gun with the SWAT team, they have to go back. Pro- you know, I probably here we just figured it out. I'm going to say probably because everyone's so damn sue happy over there in that state that everybody lawyers up and this is what you get. So the gun goes on lockdown for, for months on end. We have a lot of, and he's not working on, and he's not working on customer stuff. Right. We, we have a lot of clients from California and they're good people. Mm -hmm. Lots of good people in California and they're just surrounded by fucking idiots. Northern California, mostly. No, we we sent, you know, we sold, we sent a lot of shotgun shells there into the Northern half of California yeah. And about every single one of them hates the state of California. Yeah. I, I, I think they're right. they're hoping for it to get split kind of down the middle and let the north do what they want to do in the south. But we have had some guys from the south, uh, southern California, and they just talk about how mm-hmm. terrible it is. And, they you know, there's no hunting down there, so you got to go up to northern California where people are normal. Yeah. Yeah, I never would have thought that California was a big-time waterfowling state before I got into this whole boss thing, but uh turns out it is. I think um, I'd, I'd, I'd have to go back and look, so don't, I mean, nobody quote me on this, but I remember seeing, uh, glancing, it was in Wildfowl, that uh, California is one of the top states for, for duck harvest. No kidding. I, I, I'd, if I had a Google machine in front of me, I'd go look at it. But yeah, I'm, I'm almost positive that California was one of the top, if not the top state for, for ducks. I'll, I'd have to go back and look. What do, you, what do you think that number two is? Louisiana or Arkansas? No, I I think that's where people would like to think, but my gut tells me it's not. I'm gonna say Missouri. I would say Kansas. Kansas, yeah, Kansas is a good one. 
Yeah, I would bet that also. What's the question? Now? I'm gonna look this shit up. What uh, I can I can tell you what what state isn't <laughs> Michigan. Michigan. I knew you was gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> so Brent, you're 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 what? You're 90 days in. Is that is that correct? Or, or what are we? Nine nine weeks. Nine, no, not even nine weeks in. Nine weeks. Nine weeks in. Yeah, not even. Yeah. How is everything going? Yep. We talked to you uh, right after right after you launched. We got our hands yeah, on some of this stuff. How's everything going? It's the trajectory is near vertical. I would, we're, we're really doing good. We're having a lot of fun. We're shipping a lot of shotgun shells. We got a lot of good feedback. We got a lot of happy customers, and uh, man, we're just having an absolute ball with it. It's more than I ever dreamed that it would do in this short of time. It the stuff is amazing, and I I was telling the guys before we got on air. I I, I hunted this morning, and I saw one of the gnarliest kill shots with your because we we've been we can't keep we've been giving this to to everybody almost everybody that comes through our doors, and there was a pintail that came in, and it was not a close shot by any means, thirty forty yards, and. The guy was shooting boss, and it stoned this bird. I mean, his wings went back, his head went down, and he was out as soon as it hit him. It was the craziest yep. thing that I've ever seen. And I've been it's doing cool, this a long it? time. Yeah. And, it's, you know, and, and there's a lot of stories that, that we hear, and you know, guys are all excited and thrilled to tell them, and you know, we love to be a part of it. At the same time, it's like, man, you know, don't sound so excited when you tell the story because – What's going to happen is someone's going to jump on and say, oh, it's just hype. It's this and that. And, you know, there's one word that I hate is hype. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's kind of one of those it's one of those things that people who buy these shells and work their ass off to be able to pay for them, take something out on, on a hunt, and they see the results, you know, with the first squeeze of the trigger. And it's like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of these dudes never got to shoot lead. And that's exactly what this stuff is like. And truth be told, no one, you know, a lot of these guys that are that are buying this stuff probably never spent the money on, you know, $4 a pop tungsten. Right. So, you know, that, that just economically isn't isn't viable. So when we saw to start this whole boss thing, it's like, let's come out with a super kick-ass shell that's got really good performance, really, really good performance. Use best quality components, you know, like, best powder, best primer, best wad, best hole, best shot. And what can we make here? What can we, what do we have to source and put this thing together? So regardless of whatever we make in the future, it's going to be best. And, you know, we may switch out what goes inside the shell as far as the shot, but we're never going to deviate from anything less than best quality. And I think people see you know, the value in that because, you know, the way the stuff patterns and the consistency and performance, a lot of that is, you know, attributed to, I mean, a number of things, but mainly the powder. You use a really expensive, good powder. It burns very consistently. It burns at a rate that gives really, really good patterns, which is something that, you know, most of the people that, that hunt have never been able to, you know, be educated about and have certainly never shot before. Yeah. Um, I so, had it and I won't I won't mention the the brand of of shotgun shell that he was shooting, but he had uh, he had a couple boxes. Uh, it was let's just say it's subpar. You know, it's cheap stuff. And you would not. He took his gun apart, and you would not believe 
how nat the the residue that he had in this in this gun of his, and it mm-hmm. got to where it wasn't cycling. I mean, it was gunked up, and it was all because of these cheap shotgun shells that he was putting through it. Yep, yep, yep. And you know, we were talking to an outfitter that does a lot of snow goose stuff. And, you know, like, what's the number one thing when it comes to you know to, to your customers and your clients book with you and they're calling up say, hey, what shotgun shells should I use? And his answer is use the best shells you can afford. Use the best. Yeah. And I asked, well, do they show up with the best shells that they can afford? And the answer is always no. Right. So when you guys run your guide service, I mean, you make the shell recommendation, you know, two weeks ago, four years ago, do you always say, shoot the best stuff you can, you can buy me? Because I know the guys ask you, right? Right. Yeah. They ask so, they so ask what do they, and, and do they, do they actually show up with what you recommend or, or is it something different? Something different. Most of the time it's something different. Yeah, but people are starting to get on the the boss train and starting to catch on more and more because we're a lot more people are showing up. But a lot of that's podcast related because they hunt with us and they do a podcast. Yep. And I'll tell you another yep. thing is, um, boss, your shells are being shot on every hunt. Somebody in in one of you know uh, at least one person in the groups is shooting boss, and there's mm-hmm. there's basically a side by side comparison going on almost daily out here. So guys that are not shooting it, they see the results. They see the guy on the end that has boss, and they see what he's doing to these birds, and then they're quickly, you know, they're coming back to the lodge saying, hey, where can I get that at? Oh, no kidding. That's, yeah. that's cool, isn't it? Yes. And that's the thing that we we really, again, like I said, we don't shoot a lot of ducks here in Michigan or anything for that matter. So we've had to travel to our hunts, and when we go, all of us are shooting our stuff. So there really isn't that that baseline that we can we can compare against you know the the rest of the stuff available in the industry. What's well, a but, comparison uh, daily here? Yeah, and that that's neat. That's really neat. Hey, I got the duck numbers too. Okay, what what does it say? What do you think the number one duck killing state is? South Dakota. No, I said Kansas, Texas. Te- what? Where one, are you getting one your numbers point, off Delta? One point one six. You know what the second state is? I'm gonna go California because I put my dick out there. <laughs> Brandon, you got a guess? Kansas. No, California is number two. Damn, you're is it really? Yeah, and you know what's number three? Kansas. Fuck no. What? Arkansas. <laughs> I'll be damned. Texas is one point one six. California is one point one five, and Arkansas is one point one four. They're within. That's that's ten. They're within ten thousand birds, if you can believe that. No, I think you can flip a coin. Yep, that's right. One million one hundred sixty versus forty versus fifty. That's ten thousand yep. birds. Where was Kansas at? I didn't even say the Kansas didn't even say nothing about them. Really? Does it? We're able to get a total because last I checked, there's like fifteen or sixteen million birds harvested if you count ducks and geese, not counting the snow goose population. Uh, nationwide. La- last season, this was this was in sixteen. Last season's U.S. Yeah, duck harvest of eleven point six million. And that's from Delta? And they took 3.27 million geese in 2016. Ge- and from 15 to 16, geese went from 2.5 million to 3.2. So that's a 25% increase on the number of geese getting killed. Hmm. Do you believe that? Do you believe those numbers? I, I'll, I'm telling you right now, somebody somewhere has fucked up something big time on numbers or harvest or something because the, the small Canada goose is becoming the smartest bastard in the country right now. 
And they're and they're yeah. the master at hide and go seek right now because I don't for the life of me I have talked to people up and down the central flyway and nobody is telling me that they've got just like massive massive amounts of Lesser Canada geese. Everybody is saying, oh, we got a couple pockets here and a couple pockets there, but the major concentration is not there right now. Where is it? I have no I, I have no clue. A gentleman messaged me today. Uh, he listened to our last podcast and. Um, he got a message from a guy that said Southern Alberta is loaded. They're late leaving, huh? Yeah. Well, shit. It's sixty. It's gonna be sixty-five degrees here today. Christmas Day, the high seventy. Yeah. And it's that way. What's normal weather? What's normal weather down there this time of year? Well, I've seen it eight degrees for a high and eighty, but our normal. But by now, we usually have had three big fronts because we yeah. usually get one about once a week. I. Last year, we didn't have a f- big front hit us in December till the 21st, and it came in, and the highs were 25, 28 degrees, snow yeah. flurries, lows 10 to 12, yeah. and it stayed that way for two, three days, and then we got another big push of cold weather right after uh, Christmas break for us. We're not well, even going to have anything. Go ahead. Not, not that it means anything with lessers, but our, our honker yesterday. They did what? Season closed. It closed? There, there, yeah, there's a... There's an area, it's actually a college, that's got a bunch of water that stays open. They run fountains all over it, and that, that loads up in the fall. And there's about 800 birds there. With, there's usually a resident population of maybe 150 or 200 at the most. Now there's over 800 of them over, yesterday. Over 800 of them? Seven, yeah, there's, there's between 700 and 800 birds that showed up in one day. All wow. day. Huh. Which for us, I mean, like we were talking last time I was on your show, you know, a big group of geese for us, you know, is not not that much. I mean, eight hundred bucks. Yeah, um, I I don't. I, it it's been a screwy year, and I've I've talked to a lot of people. This uh, and everybody's just kind of the same consensus is that uh, you know it's hot. They had a they had a bad bad hatch. So I think right now we're shooting a lot, shooting at a lot of two and three year old birds, maybe four year old birds, yep. Yep. and they're looking for the boogeyman wherever they can because uh, yep, it's uh, well, they're not talking big about this reverse migration. I think they just do that and talk about it a lot in a year when you don't have cooperative weather. But we had one good weekend, the very beginning of November, where we got into them ducks anyway, really really good, and then everything froze up, got cold. And the rest of the season sucked. Mm-hmm. Well, now all the ducks are back, and I don't think they're back from up north. I think they came back from the south, from the south. and they're hanging out this way. Well, we've been flat wearing the shit out of the ducks here in Texas, but we've yeah, got but yes. we've got teal again. So yeah, but we kill green wing teal. That's a typical winter bird. You don't think that they yeah. came up from South Texas? No, green green wings. No, they're a winter bird. That's not that's that's very normal. Blue are, wings. Are yes. getting their are pintails getting their sprays now or no? Yes. And their I PhDs. Shot be- I shot a beautiful one today. That one, we shot yeah. one pintail and it was a beauty. Mm-hmm. When we shot them in North Dakota, they were gorgeous looking birds and they just had short tails on them. Yeah. No, they got their pins, but and I don't think, th- th- there ain't much prettier than a, than a pintail coming into decoys. No, there's not. And that was my first time shooting pintails when I was out in North Dakota in the end of October. How did they, did they, did they go right in for you? Cause a lot of times they'll, oh, uh, they'll man, circle. They, they, they circled hooked set up, came straight in, like just straight, perfectly square. Yeah. They're hard headed. Some bitches, they make damn good wives. 
Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so what else is new with you boys down there? You know, we're just, uh, every day is different. We're trying to outsmart the geese right now that are, like Jeff said, they got our PhD, but uh, mm-hmm. just waiting on cold weather. I read uh, today that they're expecting a polar vortex, so that, that'll that change some shit up. Oh, we're going to get one of those? Yeah. How do you guys handle frustrated clients when they come down there and they watch YouTube and Instagram and think that every volley of birds that comes in is, you know, 500 strong and you're going to rain out 60 of them i'll tell you it doesn't work like that how do do you handle it the uh, a little answer is the podcast has helped out a lot because a lot of our clients listen to it and they you know we talk about like listen the end of the day it's still hunting um but that would really be jeff's department he's the one that smooths it over uh well I don't kiss much ass because I'm not much of an ass kisser no more. I try to be honest with yep. people from the straight the get go. I had a I got guys coming in. We moved some Oklahoma hunts to Texas. Oklahoma, I'm telling you right now, is piss poor hunting. There and it's not because there's smart birds; it's because there are no birds. And um, I'm honest with people, and I've called some guys there, and I said, "Hey, you need to come to Texas." And I said, "We don't have no birds in Oklahoma." And I'm a, and for everybody listening, if an outfitter calls you and tells you he doesn't have no birds, that's a bitch telling the truth. I mean. I'm in job. I'm, I'm I'm in business to make money, so I want to hunt. But if if I call someone and say, "Hey, we don't have no birds. You better come over here," I'm telling you that for a reason. I got both paces are paid for, so it doesn't matter to me if I hunt in Oklahoma or Texas. So if I move you one way or the other, there's a reason why I'm doing that. And you t- you're just up front with people, and I tell them before they goose hunt tomorrow morning, I'm gonna say, "Listen, if there's no wind, we're hunting the same fifty thousand birds we've been hunting since November seventh. So it may be really, really, really tough, and it may be, you know, we may have a couple of new groups come in bird-wise, and it may be real good, but expect, you know, expect it's going to be tough, and ducks have been saving our ass. We've had some really good afternoon duck shoots lately, really good field shoots, but I'm just honest with people, and I tell them, and I'm like, hey, it's hunting, and if you're honest with people, they're going to be disappointed because anytime you go to do anything and you pay to do it, and it's not exactly the way you think it should be. I had a guy the other day that that hunted and he was like well last year you used two guides this year you had one guide well i usually only run one guide sometimes we run two and well we didn't hide this way and we didn't do that and so everything you didn't do the year before is the reason why that you didn't kill all the birds you did the year before yeah but don't have anything to do with that it's 63 degrees that afternoon and we're sitting on about five percent of the birds in oklahoma that last year we had and, and 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 they just don't get that and so you just tell people the truth, and, you know, it, it's the way it is. And then if it's better than that, then it's better. And if it's worse than that, you, then you told them the truth. But the worst thing are these guys that post these pictures up. And I had a guy call me that's going to hunt with another outfitter, and he asked me about our bird population. I said, it sucks. He goes, well, I was listening to that on the podcast, but he said, I'm going to hunt. And the guy keeps telling me that, oh, man, it's real good. And he said, the guy sent me a picture, and they shot a full limit of birds. I thought, boy, that son of a bitch is just setting himself up for disaster. Right. Right. Well, and if there's, you know, like a, if we talked nine weeks ago, well, when we did talk nine weeks ago, I learned a heck of a lot in this this industry. And a lot of it's positive, but there's some some things that really kind of are disappointing. Like when you, you talk about how people are sold a line of goods and this and that, and you got to be straight up and honest with your clients. I think that there needs to be a shift in the way products are sold mm-hmm. and marketed and 
attempts to start restoring some some credibility and honesty in this sport that we all love. And uh, I think we may not we may not be the guys that are going to lead that charge, but we're certainly going to try. And uh, like you say, you got happy customers one way or another that even if you don't go and shoot limits day after day after day, at least you're open and honest and can have that dialogue with your customer and say, hey, you know, this is why this this isn't working. Yeah. And you still maintain credibility and, and respect, and you got you have a relationship there then, you know, versus the guy that's going to say, oh, well, these guys are killing huge numbers. We're going to go with them, and they get skunked, and who's the asshole now? Yeah. Well, you know, we run right around 80% repeat business every year, 80 to mm-hmm. 85. Yep. I mean, you don't – Number one, the nature of the beast is when you run as many groups as we do, not all of them are going to be barn burners. You're going to have stinkers every day, most likely. You're going to have one bad hunt if you're running four groups. So, I mean, you've got to, and we do, we feel like we do a good job of building a relationship with our clients um, and just mainly just being honest with them. Like, look, this happened Mm -hmm. today. This is what's going on. Um, Believe it or not, Jeff is a very good ass kisser. He says he's not, but I see him work. I see him work the room. <laughs> we have dinner at the lodge, and he works the room better than Donald Trump does. I mean, he, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not for nothing that that we're, you know, we have so many repeat customers every year because we just try to be open and honest with them, build a relationship, and let them, you know, you go out and shoot twenty twenty five birds, and they're in your face. That's a good quality hunt. Where wherever you're at. Um, you know, yeah, no, but there's guys that just post a video on, on Facebook where they just they shot limits. Sure, exactly. But right? but what happens is is the first bad hunt with those guys, and they're going to jump ship. Where the first bad hunt with us, they're at least going to come back and give us another look because they might that those guys you know that are selling these limits aren't building the relationship. I can tell you that right now. And you, I, right. I, I'll, I'll tell you something else, and, I, and I'm trying to think back here, but of all the hunts we've done this year. Have we hunted a field yet, Andy, that wasn't a hot field? No, and that's what's crazy is just the birds are just so intelligent right now. I mean, we're hunting. Or I'm so stupid. I don't know which it is. We hunted, we hunted fields every day that are at nighttime, you know, anywhere from 1,500 to 15,000 birds in them. Every night we're hunting hot fields the next morning. And they act, and people will be like, well, God damn, when the birds were in here last? Oh, about 12 hours ago it was covered up. And they'd been no in there kidding. for two or three days. Used to be if we set a field for two days – and it had five to 10,000 birds in it, it was automatic, and we were done by 8 o'clock in the morning most of the times. And and, and, it, and it's not just here. It's everywhere in the central flyway. But so And, and it's not like the birds are they're taking a look at the spread and stuff like that and bailing out. They're no. just hopping. They're they just field hopping. Not interested. They just fly by you, and they're like, hmm, they're my decoys, and just keep going. I'll send you a video. I think I took a video last night of the field I hunted today, and they flew past me like they've never even set foot in this field this morning. Well, you know what y'all got to do now? You got to get probably 15 times the decoy inventory and start setting all the fields up all over the place, and you guys just go in the empty <laughs> just ones. Just go to the empty ones. <laughs> we talked last yeah, night about we got We got a, a group of family specs. They're in the same corner of a field every night. It's just a, it's just the corners. It's not even a – it's just hay grazer, and it's the same 12. So, yep, we'll burn them up. We'll just sit there. No decoys. No and just decoys. lay right there in the cotton, and they're going to come land here every night. We'll shoot their ass. Um, I think we're going to flip something around before Christmas, and we're going to try this. I can't believe I'm saying this on the air, but I think we're going to we're going to flip and do a afternoon goose hunt right before Christmas because we're going to be taking off for a couple of days anyways, and we're going to try to see do a morning duck hunt 
and then do an afternoon goose hunt and see if that makes a difference and try and see there how go. it goes and just yep. see if see if it's a if it works because in the morning here's what we're dealing with in the mornings in the mornings our birds are getting them off the water and they're landing right next to the water and they're sitting there till 9 30 or something and then they're going to feed well in the evening time they fly right off of it and they go right in like they used to do in the morning and we're also fixing to go into a full moon cycle which fucks everything up so so they're hitting they're coming off the roost and hitting another piece of water to loaf on before they go feed or they going into a field and then they go to their meat trash field. trash field. fields just dirt just we call it it's just a staging area but used to they'd go they, and that's not a, that unusual but they'll stage a lot of times and then they'll start trickling out going to feed fields well now they're staging and they're sitting in these fields for two hours it's just it, I'm telling you right now I have never seen it's like the geese had a convention somewhere up north <laughs> and they said hey we're going to do this this year you know, I'm getting sick and tired well, of Junior getting his ass shot every year. We're going to change some shit. Well, up. I can tell you, it's not on account of everyone else wearing them out. Because, like you said, I've heard the same things. No one is is getting into them hot and heavy consistently. Yeah. You know, further north, it just hasn't been that kind of season. No, and you watch, and, and, and if you look at Instagram and uh, all the social, there's no secrets out there no more. Because even if you're in the clients, it, like I'll tell my clients, if we have a burner, hey, don't, 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 please don't put that picture up today because. It's if if you we had a ninety bird hunt and I didn't want them pictures floating around because then everybody else gonna think oh shit they they're killing ninety birds every morning it was just right. one of them days thing worked perfect and the birds wanted to feed and it was a good deal but I didn't want to th- throw that out there and then everybody else is thinking the same thing but those birds that, that, go ahead that's the double edged sword of the social media thing which I'm learning a lot about yes one of them one thing I'm learning about is somehow we we got censored where no one's allowed to type our ad or a web address and we can't have our web address listed on our social media profiles for some reason. I don't know. Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, well, all of our other competitors, all their stuff's out there right in plain sight. If someone tries typing our website through in, uh, like Facebook messenger or right. respond to a comment, it gets blocked. It doesn't go through. I saw, but uh, anyway, yeah, I saw that. And with social media, everything is, is so out there, like right now, post, 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 post. It really kind of is, I just get mixed feelings on how that, how all that information is, is promoted and, and disseminated by the crowd of people that view it because it's so instant and there's so much of it. And where does the value come from in social media anymore? Because everything is just out there. That's right. And I see, like, if I look at your guys' social media, you really don't spend a whole bunch of time pumping out image after image after video after video. You just don't do it. No, well, this year we're not, for sure, because it just sets us up for a bad, something bad. Yeah. Yeah. But there is is such thing as overexposure in this industry is what I'm learning. There, there are a lot of outfitters that we talk to every day. I mean, we, the waterfowl outfitting business, other than the flat-billed young kids that have gotten into it recently, the guys have been around for a while. Everybody talks to each other, and our industry would do a whole would would do itself a big favor if everybody would learn to get along. All the other outfitters, because we're all in, we all have the same goals to make money. We're all dealing with the same clients. Yeah. Get along. Don't backstab at each other. Work together. You'll keep your land costs down. You'll help each other out. It's a big thing, but. We talk to other guys, so we know. And then you have a guy that works for you for two years, and he goes to work somewhere else 300 miles away, and then he ends up somewhere else. So before long, you build a network up all over the United States, from Canada to here, and nobody is posting pictures of consistent kills because nobody's consistently killing. 
and mm-hmm. it's 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 everywhere. You can put a post right there. Zach put a deal on Facebook yesterday about something about new geese. Now I can't remember what it was. Him and Blake tag in it and. People that are guides from all over the country within 30 minutes are like, Amen, I need, we need to do that. They're on the same boat. Mm-hmm. There's just not a lot of secrets left. The, the guides that you guys have, are they year to year? They, they come back pretty, pretty consistent for you? I've got – Blake is on his second year. We went, we went eight years one time with the same five guides working for eight years straight, which is really unusual in okay. this business. But usually yeah. you, you, you'll have a repeat guide that will be here – two three years and then you'll have a new guide and we got two new two new guides here that are working but you know you try to keep repeat i like to keep the same guides with the same people year yep. in and year out uh blake yep. I, blake may be here for 10 more years this may be his last year i don't know he's i he likes to hunt i, I think he'll be back he likes what he's doing he's not married what normally happens is the guide has to gets married and gets family and then that's the end of the guide life yep. Well, it's it's definitely a young man's sport, and that's the thing. I got a lot of respect and admiration for these guys, and a lot of them are, you know, in their early, mid-20s. Yes. They age out by about the time they're 30, only because, like you said, married, kids, everything else. But, uh, man, is it a grind. You know, see what these guides do. You know, it's, you know, up before everyone else, setting decoys, moving spreads, this, that, or the other thing, cleaning birds, doing all the stuff in the field, same thing at night, scouting, moving, everything else. I mean, it's it's a minimum eighteen hour day, minimum Man. day after day after day. Yeah, it's a chore. And to see these guys, you know, you talk to some of these guys I've hunted with, they say, you know, when we don't go out and shoot limits, our tips aren't aren't shit. It's really kind of disappointing. So, it, if there's ever a way that you can got to promote those guys, you know, the guys and the hard work they do. I mean, it's just as bit of every bit as important as what you guys do on your end too. I mean, you know, without them, you guys wouldn't have an operation. You know. Well, Andy guides. I don't. Andy guides full time every day. Where well, your gratuities yep. better this year or worse or what? Mm, they're probably they're probably about average, I'd say. But you know, um, you have the regular same guys all the time, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've built up. I've built up in a year. I I bet I won't have a twelve groups that have not hunted with me before. Mm-hmm. So six out of mm-hmm. seven days, you're hunting guys that hunt with you every year. I'm hunting with somebody that, that goes with me every year. So what's industry standard minimum gratuity as a percentage? 15% should be. And I tell guys, they'll come in and ask me, our, like our package hunt for a, a waterfowl hunt is 350 lodging meals and a hunt, just for a goose hunt. And I tell them the average mm-hmm. tip should be about $50, which about okay. 35 of that should go to the, the, to the guide. And, yep. and I have some guys that will be like, oh, God damn, well, that's the same as going to a restaurant to eat. Or whatever you do. I mean, you're looking at the same 15%. And I have guys that tip a whole lot better than that. Like, one of our big packages we do is an Oklahoma hunt. And it's three days. They get five hunts for $1,000. That's the my price. You know, a minimum of eight people. Well, that tip right there usually equals up to about 100 to $200 per customer is what they tip the guy okay. for a three-day hunt. And that's three mornings and two afternoons. And it's not always that way. And sometimes it's a whole lot more and sometimes it's less. The worst is the asshole that tips him a five or ten dollar bill. I got seven dollars one time. You are kidding me. No, nope. and I didn't. And I, I kind of, I've made it a rule. Like you know, I'm not gonna like flim it out and count it in front of him. So like he was going down the driveway, pulled out of my pocket. It's a five and two ones. And I wanted to chase that fucker down and be like, here, you just keep it. Right. But right. Well, when he if he calls next year, you know everything's yeah. all booked up. Yeah. yeah, we've got. I've got a guy that hunts with us. It's really a, that's that doesn't tip for shit, and 
And, and and people talk. I mean, you'd be surprised. There's outfitter guys will talk. Say, well, you dick that dickhead. Man, I, I can tell you a story. I got a guy that's hunted with us before, and he is a real douche nozzle. I mean, he is. He's not nobody. I would. He's not welcome here anymore. And there's about two or three other places that he's not welcome at, and he spends a little bit of money. He done a hunt just recently with some guys and spent a lot of money. I'm talking thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars worth of hunts, and he tipped zero to the guides. Mm. Zero. Not a damn dime. Wow, oh, dick. And unreal. And and I want to call the guys and and say, listen, did the guides do something wrong? Well, no, they done a really good job. Well, you didn't tip them anything, you know. And there are some people that don't know because it's on our waivers. It says the ten most asked questions, and that's one of them we have is how much do you tip? Do we tip? And I and I've put it in there and tell them, and I tell my customers because I want my guys to get paid because that's what that you know that's what they do for a living. And I'll have guys that'll. Some guys don't know. I've had guys come up now. Are we expected to tip the guide? I'm like, yeah. I got a I got a guy from East Texas, this old guy, and he's a tight fucker. And he he always when he settles up his bill, he goes, now now tips are included in that price, aren't they? Uh, for the thirteenth year in a row, fuck no, they're not. You know that, and I know that. And and he just he kind of looks at me, but he every year he asks me the same fucking question. All right, now tips are included in that, right? And I told a guy that mm-hmm. he comes with one time, he goes, that motherfucker's got more money in God, and that's why he does everything. He's a tight ass. Right. And so I got to tell him, now, he acts like he's you're pulling his fucking toenails out. So, you know, that's the thing that, that when, when there's a, the guides are out there grinding like that, working for, sounds more often than I'd like to believe, working for nothing but a thank you, I can see where industry discounts you know, are, are of value to these guys. You know, they get their, their discount from their clothes or their, their shotguns or whatever they have. But how do you guys vet when a guide comes in as far as pro staff? And do they, they all say, oh, yeah, I'm pro staff with X, Y, Z, and this, that, the other thing? Or don't you guys talk about it, or how does that work when you're interviewing? It don't mean shit. Well, I, w- I wouldn't go that. There, there's a couple red flags. Um, we had a kid that was a member of 38 different pro staffs and he was, he was bragging when he was telling us about, it. he was on so many different pro staffs. He had to pull out his phone to scroll up and down to see what he was on. That's a red flag that, uh, you know, might not be the best. Uh, well, there's two problems there, right? Yeah. One, the guy who's horned himself out to 38 different people right? and the 37 other people that are still signing up with a guy who's on. 37 other pro staffs right pro staff's a weak word though because there's a what you call a pro staff and what actually is a pro staff are two different things like uh, i'm gonna I, we're gonna use we'll use sicka as an example and i have nothing to okay. do with sicka one way or the other so this is completely biased i've had guys come in here unbiased with, unbiased to me you can go to sicka and get 25 percent off or whatever their what is their discount? Is I think it? it's forty. Forty percent. I can get it. You can get it. Anybody can get it. If you know somebody that's either can do it for you or whatever, so you get this forty percent off deal. Well, then you're automatically mm-hmm. a sick of pro staffer, and that's what you tell people. Well, I'm a sick of pro staff. You don't. You get you get forty percent off. What they're doing is they're selling you their clothes that they're making fifty percent profit off of. They're just making ten percent profit off you, and you're telling everybody you're a pro staffer selling more shit for them. And that's and, and there's a lot of that in the industry. There's not very many guys really out there that are let, let, let's say that we're sponsored by boss and you're their sponsor and you say, Okay, I'm gonna give you five cases of shells a year and you shoot exclusively with my stuff and you build my stuff out. And they shoot every shell they shoot all year long is just a boss shotgun shell. 
There's not okay. a lot of guys out there that are actually getting pro staff stuff that get everything free and getting paid a salary or whatever from a company. What they're doing is they're getting a discount on something, and they're calling themselves a pro staffer. See, the, the problem I, I struggle with is we don't have a pro staff, nor do we really – we don't want one because if you start adding up, even with discounts, you start giving – I mean, 40%, we'd be putting money inside every box of shotgun shells <laughs> that we sell because there ain't that much margin in it to begin with. The down, you got to look downstream, and all those costs are passed along. You know, a manufacturer is not going to take a lesser margin right. because the, he's you know writing stuff off to pro staff. He's just building that in. So, I the way I figure, if we had a pro staff, we'd probably add ten cents to every single shell for you know to pay those the costs associated with it. Right. So, I would rather keep the cost down and save everybody money and let the word get out organically versus having to give, maybe say you have to give a script, but have to support a network of all these guys who are talking to 37 other people trying to get a deal. Right. At the same time, I think it kind of erodes. I would be afraid of it eroding the brand that we've worked so hard to establish and want to build because it just doesn't seem organic and it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem genuine. You know, like if I were, say I were to pay you guys to shoot my shelves. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not going to say a single bad word about it ever because I'm paying you. I would rather sell shelves to guys who have worked for their stuff and let them speak openly, good or bad, in the public because it's real, honest advertising, whether it's positive or negative. Well, That's right. There's, there's not very many guides... We're going to use guides as as Lord here. There's not very many guides out there that are going to sell a shitload of products themselves. Now, your magazine articles or pictures, social media stuff like that's where you're going to sell a lot of your stuff. I don't. I've I've never known a guy in the waterfowl business other than maybe Phil Robertson that when you put his picture up there that everybody knows who he is. Uh-huh. I mean, right. Jeff, when Jeff Foles was at his biggest, not everybody knew who Jeff Foles was. If you had a picture of Jeff in the magazine, not everybody knew who Jeff was. Mm-hmm. Same with Tim Grounds. And, uh, yep. But Phil Robertson, everybody knows who Phil is because of TV fame. But everybody knew who Phil was before he got on TV that was in the waterfowl because he was a unique guy. He had the beard before ever, you know, every fucking kid that at 16 that could grow a beard had one. <laughs> he, um, everything about Phil was unique to Phil. Yeah. Hell, you go into a freaking, you pull into a gas station right now, and when some sucking bitch walks out, you don't know if he's riding a Harley Davidson member of a biker ball club or if he's a duck hunter. <laughs> but, I but mean, I mean, I can't say, like, I've got guys that ask me all the time, like, okay, what are you using? Uh, you know, what what are you shooting? What, what shotgun shells are you using? What call are you using? What, whatever, you know? So, um, Yes, you're going to the people that hunt with you. Well, you said guide. But if they put you a picture of you in oh, a magazine right. and said Andy does this, a lot of people are like, who the fuck's Andy? Right, right. I mean, but, but my, my hunters of the day, yes, I can sway. Yes, that that will work. But I'm talking about a big market deal right. where you're going to just be touching every household in America. It doesn't happen with one pro staffer usually. The guys out there that are pushing your product are going to deal with five to six guys a day. Yeah, you think about it. If you've got five right. or six guys and you hunt eighty days, you're getting four hundred people a year. 
and one thing I've I've learned quickly is that this industry is very small, and the community is even smaller. Your social media group, you start following someone on social media, well, they follow you know seventy five percent of the people that you follow. Mm-hmm. So how far out can you really get the word within social media in our industry? How many people does it take to move that? You know, then you start analyzing all this information. You want to make yourself go crazy versus just focus on building a brand behind quality and value and performance and the rest will kind of fall in place. And, you know, we've seen in the, well, October, we saw 50% increase in sales to November and December is 50% more than November. And I think that's word of mouth. I mean, our social media following hasn't gone up by 50% every month. It it simply hasn't. I think people are getting shells out in their hands. They're running them in their, their guns, having successful hunts, telling people who tell people. And like you guys told me, we chatted earlier in the week on the phone that you got guys that are showing up to hunt with y'all that already have boss shotgun shells. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's 100% accurate. It happens ever, ever. We have a party every day with someone in it. And a lot of that is they're also podcast listeners, and they hear us talk about them, and they mm-hmm. get them. Now, mm-hmm. next year, the guy that goes to church with them might be shooting boss also, and someone else that doesn't listen to podcasts because they're going to tell them about it. Because everybody that shoots it brags about it, and word of mouth is the best advertisement there is. and More so than social media, you think, yeah? Once you get established out there, I think yep. social media, you got one thing going for y'all is y'all got a cool fucking logo. And, and, and so that grabs people's eyes. They see it and they're like, wow, you know what, it, you know, and they look at it. But, and y'all have a great product and people will brag about it. But word of mouth, once you get established, I think that's what's important. More than anything you do on social media, if you have a good product and people start talking about it over and over and over again, eventually that's what everybody wants to do because they hear about it all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, one big, one thing I really do like is, I'm I'm a big one on accountability, and I wrote a, a post that Lee's got to work on. We got to we got to finish up, but it's about accountability and how I learned accountability, and it was through my you know my father, where no one held me accountable but myself, and he instilled that at, at an early age. Mm-hmm. And there's people that hold themselves accountable, and people that need to be held accountable. And to a guy that's not wired like me. He's got, you know, every customer that we sell shotgun shells to holds us accountable. So we've got, you know, four or 5,000 people that are going to hold Boss accountable for performance and value and price and everything else. But one thing that, that as long as I'm involved in this operation, which I don't intend on going anywhere, I already got that squared away. I'm holding myself accountable. And the people that we employ here, our little small organization, and in my other businesses, everyone that I work with, holds themselves to that higher standard of accountability versus some of the other manufacturers that maybe might sell through the big box retailers and this and that. By the time the cut, the consumer gets their hands on those shotgun shells, if they have a problem with it, well, they can go, you got to contact the store you bought them from or this or that or the other thing, or leave a phone number or a message on the, the, the email or however it goes. And you never hear from anyone. And if we've had guys, you know, that have called us, that they got light primer strikes or something like that. Well, at first, it's there's something wrong with the shotgun shells. Mm-hmm. Hey, give me a call. We'll work through this whole thing. And, you know, if there's a problem, we're going to make it right. Even if it's an upset customer that we know there's something wrong with the shotgun shells, 
or I mail them another box just to keep a happy customer. Right. But it's all about accountability. And I think that's one of the things that is going to be crucial to our continued success is, is getting that word out there that people who buy our product never got to worry about not being taken care of if there ever is an issue or anything. Because everybody knows shit happens. That's one of the things guaranteed in life. Shit, death, and taxes. <laughs> that, so that's if, right. you can, if you can figure out a way to take a bad situation and, and make it good, well, you're going to have that relationship that's going to, you know, going to keep moving forward, and everyone's going to be happy. You got something positive to go with. Versus the guy that buys a horseshit product, the thing breaks, whatever it is. I don't care if it's shotgun shells, if it's a shotgun or clothes. If you have a failure on the first hunt and you can't have good support moving forward, how is that going to going to work for your relationship moving forward? Right. The the the, the one of the biggest frustrate frust or the most frustrating things. For a consumer, me and Andy dealt with this today, and I'm not going to rip on this company because it's a really good company, but they're swamped right now, and we had an order, and and we did not have, we haven't we haven't got our stuff, and it's been two three weeks. We've had an order, and they hadn't even shipped it yet. So I called today, was on hold for 45 freaking minutes to talk to a lady to get both mm-hmm. of our stuffs in here, and it was 45 minutes on hold, and it frustrates because I know, and I'm I'm going to use another shotgun to. I'm going to say we had to call Remington to get some shotgun shell problems. I ain't going to talk to some bitch up there from Remington that gives two shits. Ain't going to happen. Right. But when I deal with boss, I'm going to talk to someone that cares, and it's about boss. And mm-hmm. that's where America is wanting change. We want we want customer service. I don't give a shit if you call your insurance agent and you're, you're a member of Allstate. They don't care at Allstate. <laughs> you, people have gotten so far away from uh, mom-and-pop retailers, and that's the customer service we get is none. You get good yeah. customer service from small companies. A lot of people who are 21 and under don't even know what customer service is. No. Because they, they, they've they never known nothing different than Walmart and big bass, you know, big, big, uh, big box retail. So, and I think about this a lot, like, and it really revs me up and gets my blood pressure going, but you could almost make a case and say that big box retail is responsible for the decline in a lot of economies. Yeah. So, yeah. and where, where I want to go with that is, so... I remember when I was a kid, when my dad went to buy shotgun shells, we went to the local outdoor store. Mm-hmm. It was maybe 1,200 square feet, and everything you needed was right there. The guy who owned it knew everything that there was to know about every single product he sold. Fast forward 20-some years. The theory is big box is going to save us money, save the consumer money. But it doesn't. It's bullshit because you can go to what few retailers are left, and they're selling stuff for the same price as the big box guys. But the difference is you go to the big box store and the people behind that counter very seldom know everything there is to know about the products they sell. And it's no fault to the people working there. They've got so many different products, so many different shotgun shells, so many different guns, and everything changes so many times and so often they can't keep up with it. Yeah. So what value, the only value I can say that big box delivers to the consumer is availability. You can go to one place and get whatever you need start to finish and you're set. But that also detracts, I think, from the experience of dealing with people and having having good conversation. When you go to the guy to talk about your shotgun and you know your ammunition, then you go to the other guy to buy your all your other gear. You, you lose out on that interpersonal communication, which I think you know is, is crucial to success. And that's one thing that we're big on. As you can tell, I love bullshit. And I love to talk. So, 
Well, you, you, you said, can't get that anywhere else. Well, you said it best. A 21-year-old kid don't know nothing about a customer service, and a 25-year-old Dallas Cowboy fan don't know what it's like to watch him play in a Super Bowl, so same thing. <laughs> he had that one in the holster, right too. He had that one in the holster, too, so don't let him. He was waiting. I, I, I teed yeah, that one up for him. You did. Yeah. You set that one right up for him. So, yep. Not you're nine weeks in. What are some of the things that you that what are some of the growing pains that you've gone through? Because you said your growth has been growing just pains. damn near vertical, which is an awesome problem yeah. to have. But I'm sure that you've learned a couple growing of lessons pains. along the okay, way. Okay, there's one huge growing pain, and the funny thing is, Lee and I were talking. If this is the only thing that we got to worry about at this point in the business, we're doing really good. Mm-hmm. And that number one growing pain is finding an American manufacturer to make a hooded sweatshirt. Really? <laughs> and I will tell you that, no, honestly. No, I know. Honestly, That's why I'm laughing. When, when, when it comes to branding and, and that whole thing, there's nobody in the industry better than Lee. And I think everyone will tell you that, and I know that is a fact. When it comes to manufacturing, there's probably not many people, I'm not going to break my arm off to pat myself on the back, but when it comes to running a small business in manufacturing, there's probably not a lot of people that have more passion or hunger than me. So I cover all those bases. So as far as production and making sure that we only uh, sell what's already manufactured, that whole thing, so we don't have downstream issues with supply, I got that covered. But what is beyond our control is manufacturing a hooded sweatshirt with American cotton <laughs> and American workers. But we finally think that we found a company in New York to pull that off. And T-shirts were a short putt. That's done. We got American-made T-shirts. They're on the website. Like oh, they're good-looking ones. Thing oh, they're good-looking shirts. A, oh, yeah. Awesome. The sweatshirt thing has been a royal pain in our ass. It's caused a lot of grief amongst our team. And um, we're not an apparel company. And we don't care if we don't have a hooded sweatshirt. We do. But it's not going to be Chinese. It's not going to be imported. So, okay. I got a meeting at 3 o'clock. I got to jump on. But anyway. Uh, yeah, the hooded sweatshirt's a big time, big time problem. I would rather not sell a product than sell something that isn't American. Right. So again, we found that we're working on it. The quality's amazing. That's the other thing too. A lot of these sweatshirts that are still made in the United States were are manufactured to compete on a price point with imported Chinese crap, mm-hmm. and the quality is just not there. It's garbage. You can almost see through it. And again. No fault American manufacturers, if they're being forced by some big-ass retailer to say, hey, we want to buy this sweatshirt and pay $4 for it, well, here's what a $4 American sweatshirt gets you, and it ain't very good. Right. So what we got is, I mean, these things are these things are going to be $75 sweatshirts. Our cost is going to be over $65. It's not a profit center for us. By the time we have the silkscreen done, by the time we ship it in from the silkscreen and all that, it's going to be a break-even at best, but what we see is it's a branding opportunity for us and to try to get some of our loyal customers and new future customers start thinking about American-made products and what can we do to help out our, you know, our, our, our community and the country and support each other as we try to move forward in you know, uh, always challenging economic times. I don't care how good the industry is in our neck of the woods or... Uh, business may be somewhere else, but it's not a, it's a struggle paying your bills and moving forward, keeping the mortgage due and all, you know, keeping it, keeping it paid when it comes to do all that stuff. So we need to do our part to help each other out. And the more American content we can have in our products, 
I feel is the, the path forward for the success of our company. And we're going to have some plus size shirt for us overnourished men. <laughs> yes. Now, what I am going to do, and, and you talk about making sure everything is right, or I do, we're going to wash these things three, four times to make sure they don't shrink up. Even though they say pre-shrunk cotton, I'll be damned if I send you a 2X sweatshirt and it ends up looking like something that, that belongs on a on a 16-year-old girl, you know? <laughs> if you send me a 2X sweatshirt, that's what it's going to look like. It's going to be a belly shirt. Right. <laughs> no, but again, I honestly, I think that's the only struggle that we've really had so far is, um, is this American sourcing issue, which I don't think is going to fix itself. And I hope it's a problem that, that goes away in due time because there's a lot of skilled people out there that are being underutilized in this, in this country. And we need to get back to doing what we did well. You know, a lot of people will say that, oh, the, the U.S., I think Obama said it, the U.S. has transitioned away from a manufacturing economy to a service economy. Yeah. Well, I think that's all a complete bunch of horse shit because we know the services in this country aren't that great. You know, how, how often are cell phone uh, packages coming down every month or your cable TV or any other service? No, uh, not. It, they don't. Service sucks. So we need to get back and maintain strong manufacturing. And, and um, you know, whether it's a guy stitching a sweatshirt, a guy building shotgun shells or making shot or whatever he's doing, we need to get back to manufacturing because that is what, as Americans, we are best at. I mean, we're raised as manufacturing dudes. At least we are up here in, in my neck of the woods. That's right. You said it best. How uh, everybody? What what's your what's your most popular shot size right now? Are, are, are people jumping all over the three inch? Or are you still Boss sticking? Five, s- Boss five, two and three quarter ounce and a quarter is number one. A close second is the three inch number two, and the the three inch number two guy is the one who goes out and shoots big geese. Right. That's it. Yeah. We don't recommend it for shooting ducks. It's it's it, a number two puts a hurting so bad on a goose i almost feel bad for it i mean even though that thing is dead by the time it hits the ground i still feel bad for what happens to him because i've hammered him with twos and it is it is something else yeah i i've so, I, i've got the twos also and it's something like you said have you hit anything with him yet well i'm not that good of a shot but i yes i've i've made some i made some good stuff and like you said though it does crunch them it's violent it's violent number five you know it's that's kind of our our favorite product because it's it's a universal shell that you don't have guys that are having to unload their gun. Oh shit, geese are coming in. Let me right. let me switch shells. Yeah, it's very universal. And the way I like to say, hey, we know fives will will work for anything. So you could pretty much pick any shot, any payload, and it's going to do the job. Now there's benefits in smaller shot, and we've just started talking about that with all of our our uh, customers, but. They're starting to you know to, to learn up pretty quick and, and they know smaller shot has its benefits, you know, fuller patterns, that whole thing. And uh uh whatever people choose, we're not gonna sell a product if it doesn't work. Not gonna happen. Well, I can def I can definitely tell you that you uh, it, the side by side comparison is what makes it is just it's so good to see down here because like I said, somebody in every group is shooting boss and somebody is not, and it is it's awesome to see and let me tell you, the ribbing that the guys that are not shooting it get from the guys that are, whenever they see what it's doing to the birds, is uh, I'll, I'll I'll send you a video sometime. It it gets pretty uh it gets pretty ruckus out there. Yeah, well that that's cool. I mean that that's a thing that I think people enjoy. They 
they like knowing that, hey, I talked to the guy that makes these shells. You know, exactly. If you if you call our shop, there's a, a one in four chance you're going to talk to someone who's loading these shotgun shells because mm-hmm. there's you know, five of us that are here. So, yeah, we, we love the dialogue. I'd love to talk to everyone if I can. A lot of them got my cell phone number. They know how to get a hold of me on Facebook. I'm not big on the Instagram, but the Facebook page that, that one of my buddies started, that fan page, has a ton of tremendous information out there that's just, it's it's awesome dialogue, good content. I'm always available there. But during the day, I mean, I don't think I've sat in my office for three hours in the last four months. I'm out on the floor loading shotgun shells. Every single day, I'm running the machines. That's awesome. Well, I know that you, I I heard you say you got a meeting at three o'clock. We're past that time. So we will let you go. Uh, we could have gone on another hour. I I have a feeling, but. Oh, it's always a great time talking to you guys. And, and, you know, whenever you guys get bored and want to give me a call, let me know. Give me a few minutes notice. I'll shut down the loader and I'll jump on the phone. Perfect. Brandon, thank you so much. Uh, all right. Great, great product. You guys have uh, a good Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas to you. God bless you. Appreciate everything you've done. All right. Thank you much. We'll talk, talk to you guys soon. Uh, see ya. Bye. Right, see ya. Boop, boop, boop. Cool dude. Motherfucker, he's got he's got lightning in a bottle right here. Well, he, and your Packers. You and him both. There's a lot of you guys going on this podcast. You didn't have to uh, start the podcast out like that. Why? If they were winning, y'all would have. Jeff. You know you would have. We are classy. We're a classy organization. We would never be braggadocious. Ever. There's nothing wrong with being proud to be a Packer. It's a cool place. It, it is. Man, it's it's a watch. it's a cool town. It's a cool pro. It's a, a great team. Great traditions. It's I feel a, bad that we kept him past his meeting time. I think he's the boss, so it don't matter. Ah, fuck him. It's kind of like when we have a meeting here, and I'm the boss. It don't matter. And if somebody else is here that's more important than me, then it does matter. Yeah. All right. What got, a good pro. Uh, um, it is. Uh, if go check them out, bossshotshells.com. Good luck, Ed. Ed's going out on a pheasant hunt right now. He's got his oatmeal cream pies. pies. God. Uh, It's gained some weight. Ed is plump. (laughs) He's overnourished. He's in a a 2X hoodie, and let me tell you, you can see his belt buckle. Was that rude of me today when I suggested? Yeah, and Jeff pointed it out at him. He's already got a complex about it. I'm going to tell you what, if you're fat and you're sensitive, lose fucking weight. Real simple. It's true. There's people who are just ugly, and they can't do shit for it. You don't make fun of those people. <laughs> but a fat person you make fun of because they can lose weight. They can lose weight. Hell yeah. What if they got a thyroid issue? There ain't a fucker out there got a thyroid issue. Oh. That's a woman's deal. Every time a woman gets fat, oh, my thyroid's My, thyroid. my thyroid's is acting up. You ain't got a fucking thyroid problem. You got a spoon and fork problem is what you got. Wow. And I'm sure there are some women. There's somebody out there right now that, Pissed oh, off. my wife really had a thyroid problem. You will never host the Oscars I with that give, attitude. I don't give a shit. Never. You just I, kiss that goodbye. Yep, yeah, that's a lot of things in my life I've kissed by now for not being politically correct. But there he is. Every, every, women all the time, oh, I'm getting what she's got it's a thyroid my, issue. It's my thyroid. Hey, a fucking thyroid. You like to eat just like I do. And you get older. As you get older, you're going to gain weight. I have not. I've lost weight. You probably wouldn't get older, though. I'm you're fucking 31. That's not old. 31 is a fucking spring chicken. Tell you what, though. When he was talking about this being a young man's game, he hit the nail on the head. You for guide years, you got some guide years in you though. I feel like 107. I don't. I mean, I think outfitters age more than guides do though. Hmm. A guy in my position mm-hmm. has got more stress and ages more than a guy that's guiding does. 
Look at Justin. He looks like he's 120. Right. Well, I mean, just um, you know, there's also a physical stress that goes along. I don't have the physical. Mine's mental. I told your mom the other day I was mentally uh, being. I understand. Mentally tired's worse than physically tired. Mm, I don't know. I I kind of get a little bit of both because I don't know, I'm mentally tired too. But this has been a grind of a season. It has. And you know, we've had years. We've had tough years. When other people had easy years, mm-hmm. and we've had some easy years. We had a lot of easy years when everybody else was having tough years. And right now, everybody seems to be having a tough year. It's hunting, it is. That's and, all it is. And we haven't had very many bitchy customers but because anybody that's hunting knows that's, that's a waterfowl hunter. They know, well, my buddy's over at so-and-so, and they're having horrible time. Everybody knows. Mm-hmm. I think we're just, we're spoiled is all it is. We are damn sure that. You know, uh... You take and we have fairly big egos. I know I do. Um, so more more than anything, my ego is just hurt whenever I have a bad hunt because I used to think I knew what the fuck I was doing, but I don't know. And I sure am hoping someone's going to send us Christmas bourbon or something. We haven't any gifts in a while. Please, y'all. Times are tough. Send <laughs> presents to Stanfield Hunting, PO Box five one seven, Knox City, Texas seven nine five two nine. There he goes. If it comes in a bottle, we do not want it plastic. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, no plastic. But do ha- do have it sealed if you're going to send yeah. anything. Like the rich and rare, the plastic Bob and Steve Barber drink. I'm Oof. not drinking anything that doesn't have the seal attached no, I to meant, it. No, I meant no plastic bottles. Right. If it comes in a plastic bottle, it's not something I'm going to drink. So what what do we got going on? We um, got a couple, We got about another week before Christmas. Yep, one week. Matter of fact, Christmas Day is a week from now. You're freaking Kids, my grandkids are going to be spooled freaking rotten. Your your mother ordered a swing set, mm. and poor Ed. Ed's got to put it all together. Like, I don't know. I told Michelle when she bought it. I said, that's a bitch better come pre-assembled. <laughs> so I know how they're going to fit that some bitch on a UPS truck pre-assembled. Mm-hmm. They ain't putting shit together. And honestly, you know, it's going to be nice this Christmas, but usually you put shit like that and you freeze your ass off while the kids get flew outside playing on shit like yeah. that. But I don't know where we're going to put it. We have no room in our yard for sure a swing set. That's your problem. Between a pool, a trampoline. I'm thinking about just graveling the whole freaking yard. I ain't got to mow nothing back there because I'm going to be just moving shit around to mow. <laughs> just put gravel on it and... Just let it go. You can just fucking park back there. Yeah, just round you know. up it. Well, no, you can't. There's a fence around. You can't park, but... Well. But the old tight-ass deal where you just gra- round up your yard so you don't have to mow. Just the backyard. Trump orders all U.S. troops out of Syria, declares victory over ISIS. He's pulling out of Syria. Good Tell for him. what, that motherfucker... I I I think he's got a checklist on his desk that he stares at every day, and he just and marks shit off, and then writes something underneath it, and then he just fucking goes right down the list. Well, I hope he keeps it up. He's just got to get that wall done. I wish he does it. I'm so sick of that shit. But uh, they said if he doesn't get the wall done, not going to be good for his reelection. No, and I think what you're going to see him do is they're going to cut off foreign aid. He's going to cut off. I ain't writing them some bitches a check. We're putting that in the wall money. I hope he puts his feet to the fire on the government shutdown. If you work for the government, I don't want you to lose your job. I don't want you to lose any money. It's almost gonna, Christmas is what they're saying. They're going to pay you anyways. But Yeah, they yeah, need, you get fucking paid as soon as you come back. So yeah. that whole notion. Yeah, I want them to shut the government down. Shut that shit down all the way. I mean- Pay the military. Pay the cut fucking Congress and cut their checks off. Cut their fucking offices off. That's where you cut that shit out. Mm-hmm. We're letting we let them people dictate our whole fucking country, and they've forgotten who we are. They and work for us. That's right. Let's get off politics. Get off. 
God bless y'all very much. Thank you for listening to Big Honker Podcast. Go still- check out BossShotShow.com. Yes. Thank you. Have a good day.